Happy Easter, everybody. Um, I'll just pray before I speak. Father, thank you for today. Um, My talk this morning is that Jesus is alive. Those words are so wonderful, Father, and mean so much to us. I pray that anything I say will be what you want me to say and what we need to hear and think about this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Um, Somebody at the little Bible study that we have um, at House of Bread every Thursday, there's a young man who comes who's not a Christian, but he keeps coming to the Bible study. He's a volunteer for House of Bread. And he asked me an amazing question, not this Thursday, um, but the previous Thursday. And it was probably the best question that anyone could ask me. And I gave him a full flood answer. It was lovely. Because he said, what does the Easter weekend look like for you? And it's something that I rejoice in every year. And it was just my absolute delight to tell him. And this is just what I want to speak about this morning. The delight and the um, joy that we have, that we know Jesus is alive. And, um, oh, hello, sweethearts. Excuse me one minute. Nicole, you're not late. This service, we're just in the middle of a very quiet service that children probably won't enjoy very much. It's all right. The others will be coming in here. Is that all right? Sorry, no, it's all right. It's okay. You're not late, you're early. Okay. Sorry, Nicole. You're right. You're right, isn't it? Lovely to see you. Thank you. That's another reason to rejoice, isn't it? That's lovely. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about this morning, the, the joy that we have. So first of all, I want to say, it, in a shorter version, what I said to Joseph about what Easter looks like. And then think about, because what Joan was saying was about our desire to communicate God's love and the message of forgiveness like we sang. You know, God's only waiting to forgive. forgive. Um, And to me, the way that that is communicated is because if we have this amazing joy alive in us, that's what communicates to other people. Um, So that's what I'm going to be talking about. But first of all, I wanted to say what I said to Joseph. Because when he said, what does Easter look like for you? I absolutely adore this every year. And I was talking to some other Christians and saying that I, and I expect it's the same for all of you, love Easter even more than Christmas. And I think it's because Christmas has got taken over by the world that we still do celebrate Christmas. Of course we do in the way that we want to. But it's quite a battle. Whereas Easter, like you said, Joan, that walk of witness on Friday is amazing and it really is ours and we are really, really showing the world. So Easter for me, um, in this lovely progress that I think of, starts on the Thursday evening when I'm thinking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and thinking of the, the fear 
and the disappointment and the confusion of the disciples and everything that Jesus has taught them and everything that they thought they knew is just suddenly like, it's all ended, it's gone. And then the terrible, terrible waking up on Good Friday and they know that their Jesus is going to be crucified. And when I was saying this to Joseph, I was saying that we know and we remember and we have the walk of witness and we remember and we think what Jesus did for us and we think about how the disciples and all the people who knew Jesus and loved him felt. But we can't help having our foreknowledge and our hindsight that Easter Sunday is coming. And it gives me such a thrill every Good Friday because we know what Jesus is doing for us and what what he did for us. And we are reaping that benefit every day now. But trying to get back and remembering um, and thinking, I think it's good to think how the disciples felt, how Mary felt. But we have that joy and it kind of, um, I'm not putting it very well, but it, it... it just makes it so special when I think on, on Good Friday of the crucifixion. And then I said to Joseph, so that's what I do on Good Friday and the walk of witness. And I said to him, and then Saturday is always, I, when I wake up on Easter Saturday morning, is the relief that Friday's gone and the anticipation of Jesus' resurrection because we know that's going to happen. But again, it's a strange feeling because thinking of the disciples, they didn't know that. And the, the grief, the absolute grief that they have on, on the, the Saturday, that everything has finished and it's all gone. And it's like knowing, almost like when you prepare a surprise for someone, because I'm thinking of them, but I know what's going to happen. And it just, it's just such joy. And then, of course, this morning... And thinking of the disciples discovering this wonderful, amazing truth. And this is what I want to say, is how we feel when everything... If we think of a time in our lives when we think everything has gone wrong. Sometimes it might be a very sudden thing, a a sudden illness or an accident or something like that. Sometimes it might be a long, drawn-out process. And like for William and me, I was thinking... Um, the fact that we've ended up in Stafford doing what we're doing now is the result of a good many years of wondering what on earth was happening in our lives. Um, And the realisation when we came to what it is now, you look back and everything falls into place and you think, oh, that's what God was doing. And that's how I think the disciples felt when they began to realise, as we've read, at first it was just Peter and John and Mary Magdalene, beginning to click and the pieces of the jigsaw, I can just imagine their minds must have been exploding and I just found a few little verses um, from the scriptures that might have been resounding in their head as they were trying to work all this out. Um, from John chapter 2 it says the Jews then responded to him what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this 
And Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it was taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And then John says, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So you can think of that as it says here, he saw and believed. They still didn't understand from scripture. So it was like John and Peter had to actually see the real thing. But as soon as they did, these pieces started coming together in their minds. And again from John 14, Jesus said, You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. And you can think of them hearing Jesus speaking. And then, I was watching a film the other day. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's called Risen. Have any of you seen it? And it's, um, I think it was made either last year or 2016. And I started watching it, um, thinking, oh, I, I don't know if I want to watch it. But actually, it's a really beautiful um, portrayal of the resurrection, but from the point of view of a tribune trying to prove that Jesus hasn't risen from the dead. And um, it's, really, it, it's really interesting. Um, but there were one or two things that were pulled out in that film that I had to go back and look in the Bible and see if they'd got it from the Bible. And they had, but they were just little details. And one is from Matthew 26. Jesus said, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And in the film, it said, We must go to Galilee because Jesus will we'll meet him there when they've realised he's risen. And I thought, yes, he did say to them, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And that's how they knew to go. So again, they were remembering what he said. And um, in Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And I just think that there's so many other scriptures, but they must, their minds must have been buzzing with all of this as they realised that Jesus wasn't in the tomb and um, that he had risen. And of course it says, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. So it was because he, he saw that Jesus wasn't there. He understood and believed. And as I was thinking this, and um, as you read, Anne, that was lovely, that reading that you read, because I was thinking, you know, so many people say, particularly non-Christians, but even some Christians, that they much prefer the New Testament to the Old Testament, that the Old Testament's really difficult in the New Testament. And do you know what suddenly came into my mind? I thought the people who wrote the scriptures in the New Testament, they were filled with this confidence. They, they had seen Jesus. They had been with him. Or like Luke, he had been with people who had seen him and Paul had had his own vision and his own time with Jesus. So the prophets and everyone in the Old Testament, they knew God because they prayed and they talked with God. And, but it still wasn't the same as this absolute 
kind of personal knowledge. And that suddenly struck me that that's what the New Testament, there is such personal confidence in the New Testament. But again, what I want to say is that when we have these moments of everything turning out, okay and we realize that God has been in a situation just like the disciples realized that what Jesus had promised was true and he had risen from the dead we need to stay in that place all the time not just when everything is all right and not just when we're having an amazing time of worship we need to be in that place of receiving new life absolutely every moment of the day and I found in Hebrews, Paul says in his letter to the Hebrews, oh sorry, not Paul, that's, sorry, big pardon. The writer of the Hebrews says, so don't throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. So even then, in those few years after Jesus' resurrection and people getting, um, you know, coming to faith and knowing, even they, in that short time, they're having to be um, reminded, don't throw away your confidence, keep your confidence. And as we're, you know, on Easter Sunday and we're celebrating Jesus' resurrection and it's so much in our mind, but the new life that we have received is for every moment of every day, not just special times. In Romans, Paul says, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I, it's, I don't know if I'm putting it very well, but it's just that, that feeling of when we're at the point of joy and the, the point of clear thinking and communion with God, we feel the possibility of that new life. But it's the the need and what God wants for us is to be at that pinnacle all the time and we can that new life is for us all the time even when things are difficult and even when we've had the bad news and we haven't got to the bit where we find out that God is with us all the time even in that confusion we can have that new life and we can have that new life because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are living that new life with us. In Acts, um, Luke talks about Jesus, in whom we live and breathe and have our being. So our whole life is in, our new life is in and with the resurrected Jesus. And it's there all the time. And even in the Old Testament, in Lamentations, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And that's just what I wanted us to remember. God's love is new every morning, not just, just on Easter Sunday. And I had something sent to me um, in the Bible Gateway email that I get. And it's a quote from a book called... Um, Waking the Dead by John Eldridge and it's, it's quite a long thing but I'll just read this little bit the resurrection affirms the promise Christ made for it was life he offered to give us he said I have come that they may have life and have it to the full we are saved by his life when we find that we are able to live the way we've always known we should live we are free to be what he meant when he meant us 
You have a new life, the life of Christ, and you have a new heart. Do you know what this means? Your heart is good. So we have good hearts to live the new life, full of joy, just as the disciples realised on Easter Sunday morning. And my prayer, Father, my prayer for us all is that we have that unspeakable joy every moment of every day to give your love to everyone we meet. In Jesus' precious name, Amen.